Still Look Pretty, the podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Summer. And I'm Vanessa, and welcome to the Sit Still Look Pretty podcast. We're <laughs> so happy to have you guys here. And today's episode is going to be on dun 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 transferable skills. So it's going to be based around... That was so anticlimactic. <laughs> Let's try again. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Transferable skills. Yes! <laughs> so basically, as you guys, if you guys have listened before, you know that very much Vanessa and I, the kind of careers we chose, still very linked with law, but not specifically in the law, the legal sector as kind of those job roles that you look at while you are at law school. And now that we've been out of law school for almost a year now, um, a solid like eight months we've, since we've graduated. We just we just got our uh, official emails today. For us, us super graduated. graduate. <laughs> so excited um, for July. But, you know, we kind of wanted to do this episode around the transferable skills that have helped us get into the careers that we've kind of gone into. So I've gone into like recruitment and sales in the tech industry. Um, and V? Well, yours is kind of quite mixed though yeah it's i it's a bit of everything really but mainly like i would say digital marketing branding and like kind of like web design Mm. those are like my top three obviously i do some work with like legal departments in different companies as well which is quite nice it keeps my legal side in check yeah um but it's kind of like a minority rather than a majority i also just want to preface this episode by saying that If you do not know what you're doing straight out of like, doesn't just have to be law school, just uni as a whole, please do not worry. Do not spiral. It's not the end of the world. A hundred percent. I think obviously if you're new here or if this is the first episode, welcome. Um, But in third year, I decided that I didn't want to become a solicitor um in that it was what I'd set my heart on for about four or five years but I didn't actually want to become a solicitor and what I ended up doing obviously being rec- like in recruitment in the tech industry I still am very much hands-on in the sense that um I look at patents I still look at cases you know when I'm talking to you know these candidates these companies these agencies like you know some of them are even in the big four Um, we do still have to look at you know intellectual property law and you know where this is going and where the industry is going so I we thought that it was you know kind of really important that we talk about the transferable skills that not only from law school that got us to where we are today and in careers that we absolutely adore but also kind of you know I think there's not enough emphasis on transferable skills and I think this is the 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 world is changing in the eyes of employers and obviously coming from a recruiting like background myself I think it's really important that you know we have this episode because I think there's not enough education on the transferable skills that you learn at uni as a whole like not even just law school just university as a whole and how they can benefit your career um so yeah I think we're going to kick start we're going to go through about six I think six transferable skills 
I do want to go back to law eventually. Sorry, it's a bit off topic, but I do, <laughs> I do want to go back to law eventually. My dream is uh, in artificial intelligence, blockchain, and cryptocurrency law, and generally just the future of the financial system. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like my nerdy side that I absolutely love <laughs> doing research over. Um, and I do want to go into that. I have plans to start my LPC this September and continue on from there. Eventually, we'll go on to be a qualified solicitor. The reason why I'm in this job at the moment, like why I fell into the field that I fell into, Summer's <laughs> laughing because it's honestly the most funny story you could ever tell. And um, basically, I first locked down, like I just was like, okay, like I need to find a way to like make money. Mm-hmm. And um, I taught myself like all these skills. And then it just so happened that a job came along and then they hired me and I was like, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah that's how I fell into it but um yeah anyway yeah. sorry transferable skills <laughs> yeah so oh, kind of linking to that actually let me give a bit of background and why I ended up in why I ended up in also because obviously I didn't want to be a solicitor I, yeah the, uh, I think being a solicitor is always going to be in my heart and I guess I could always go back to it if I do want to but um I got headhunted for this role um and it was at a time where I was very much utilizing my LinkedIn and transferable skills on LinkedIn. Um, and I was very much kind of in a headspace where I was like, you know, what, I've got all of this, these skills. And I've always been of the opinion that university is not just about your degree. It's also about what you learn as an individual and how you grow as an individual. And I think that when you really kind of hone in on what you learn as a whole at university, I think you elevate yourself to a lot higher of a level. And, you know, employers want to see what you can do. It's, it's about your experience, but it's also what you can bring to the table in terms of the skills that you've learned in your life. And, you know, for example, um, a lot of my employers, they have really loved the podcast and the skills I've learned there. And, you know, it's not all law school, law school, law school. It's kind of a bit like, okay, what do you bring to the table? There's thousands of people that go to law school. There's thousands of people with degrees. But what are the skills that you learn and how can you kind of tweak them to, to suit your future employer? So first, we're going to go... I mean- Go on. <laughs> no, like uh, one of the things that's the most underrated, I think actually, no, it is overrated because everybody's like, when you go to law school, after you finish law school, you see things a bit differently. Like when you go to the supermarket and you read some like labels and yeah. stuff and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Well, or... I feel like that happens with a lot of degrees. Like think about people who do like psychology degrees. They see oh, things yeah. completely differently. A hundred percent. And I think that really links to what we were saying Um, the other day about how you're so much more than your degree it kind of shapes who you are as an individual so you know always pick what you want to study wisely because it will have an effect on you as a person basically I mean yeah it definitely does change you that's one thing I will say it It will change you uni as a whole change you completely if you graduated or in the midst of I was it. on FaceTime to 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 summer actually this morning and I was doing my makeup getting ready to go somewhere and I literally said to her I was like because we were both reading our uh, graduation like ceremony details and stuff mm. and she was like I can't believe like our exams were almost a year ago and then we were like oh my god we have to celebrate our dissertation mm. deadline and then we both went we were so stressed this time last year oh my goodness I was a shell of myself this time last year um and it got us talking about like what like how the dissertation changes not the topic per se but just yeah having to do that 10,000 words do your research you know do the planning all of that stuff really kind of 
just now maybe let's start there then like because I think there is a lot there's a lot of like transferable soft skills that you yeah. can get from writing such a big piece of research yeah 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 okay so I think okay we'll take like essays and stuff as a whole like because the way we've said this before in the podcast the way university education is very different we always talk about how secondary school sixth form college primary school it's all about kind of regurgitation but um, when it comes to university, what they're asking you to do is that like, critical analysis, that like, critical thinking. So I think we'll start with like the problem solving and the analytical skills, I think we'll start with um, and how you can tweak these and, you know, elevate them in, you know, CVs and interviews to kind of show future potential employers um, how much of a skill this is. So I think for me personally, I think I went through the interview stage most recently. So um, I'll go first. Um, if you don't mind, <laughs> I don't mind. I, uh, ladies first. <laughs> You're not a lady. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, okay. So when it comes to the problem solving and um, analytical skills, I think what you really need to to hone in on when you're in an interview, everyone says they can analyze and everyone says they can problem solve. But a way to kind of elevate this is to you know provide examples and it doesn't have to be some huge example but let's take for example with university you have a topic and it's a it's a problem for you yeah we're not gonna i'm not gonna talk law school specific because maybe not all of you went to law school or have ever written a legal essay so i'm gonna take it as an essay in itself so you know you have this problem that's presented to you in your essay or a topic that you find really difficult and hard to to kind of comprehend how did you overcome that? And I think when it comes to problem solving, this is the main, this is the main part of, you know, how you present this. So you look at the problem, you divide the problem into equal parts, maybe it's two, maybe it's four. And, you know, you look into the problem as, you know, you look for the solution and you look around, you know, you researched the problem. You know, you, you fact-checked the problem. You found potential counter arguments for the problem. And then how did you overcome that problem? What, what was your process into kind of solving the problem, I guess, in a way? So um, one thing I spoke about in an interview, for example, is, you know, with SSLP, actually, I spoke about this, but I felt like we had a problem with our branding and I felt like we had a problem with, you know, kind of marketing in a sense of, of reaching out and optimizing our marketing. So how did we come, how did we solve this problem? Well, reels. <laughs> well, reels, what we did is we researched what was, you know, the, the sure way of engagement on Instagram and on TikTok. And, you know, we broke it down and LinkedIn. So I created a LinkedIn page and then I, and then, you know, I met up with Vanessa and we had like a six hour session where we made Excel spreadsheets and mapped out and color coded what different topics that we cover and what those colors are going to be and how we can optimize reels. And for us, reels have been absolutely amazing in the past three months. And, you know, we utilize TikTok to create those reels and, you know, and it's boosted our engagement massively. Like we grew in followers on Instagram expeditiously. Is that the word? Is that the word? Um, we'll roll with it we'll roll with it it. it. (laughs) anyway 
we if we get hate for it on the dms then we know (laughs) yeah i know that's very common but yeah so you know we massively grew with reels and i I presented that into in my in my interview actually and it and it led to kind of a fast tracking of my application process i'm not saying that it was dependent on this but your answer is key and you need to provide evidence of that problem solving our problem was lack of engagement how did we solve it we rebranded how did we rebrand i broke it down into the three stages that i just presented to you and then what happened so it's problem plan solution that's how i solved that kind of problem solving transferable skills questions so i just realized because you said um we've rebranded and stuff yeah i realized that by the time that this episode goes out oh my god it'll be all one year sorry for screaming one year i mean to the new listeners you guys probably you know welcome you're welcome but if you are an og listener right now i'm not gonna love you because i know all the og listeners. yes we do we do know all of your names But if you are an OG listener, congratulations. Like, thank you so much for coming on yeah. this journey with us. And if you're new, then thank you for starting your journey with us on yeah. this very special day. And we hope we, to keep doing this for you. Yeah, and we hope to keep you here for uh, more years to come. Um, yeah. And, you know, to see us grow and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, you know, when you're coming to that problem solving transferable skills question, if you are going to put that on your CV, you have to make sure you're going to back it up with an example and you know like i said break down your example into you analyze the problem you mapped out potential solutions you executed that solution and then the result of that solution sometimes there's not always going to be a result but if you say you've got problem solving skills you need to be able to solve the problem you know you can't just present problems with no solution so yeah i think that would be my first i think it links with the analytical skills in the sense that like when you are talking about problem solving, you're saying that you analyze the problem. And I think always dropping in those like keywords of like analyzing the problem and how you analyzed it. And sometimes it's even good to say like how it made you feel. You know, sometimes people are like, I was really frustrated by this because, you know, um, I really wanted to boost our engagement and I couldn't figure out how to boost it. So I took a moment and, you know, and it also shows your own character development. And, you know, these are things that, that employers, employers wanna see. Okay, so <laughs> for me, by the way, all valid points, completely 100% agree. People make fun of me because I always do the ad libs like, oh, 100%, but it's true. Um, one thing I would say for me personally was rationality. So I, whenever I started law school, I think I was very clouded by emotions and feelings over certain situations. And because I had certain feelings and emotions, it would completely cloud my ability to make decisions and see things for what they truly are. So for me, when I finished law school, one thing, because like we would go through cases and stuff um, like in lectures and I was always used to be so horrified by the things that I was reading and I would be like, you know, how can we just move past these details and just go straight to like the solution like how can we just gloss over the fact that that person did that like how can we just forget that Um, and initially like it was I think it was a shock to the system but as I progressed through the motions um, I started to become a lot more kind of like not numb to it 
but numb to it in the sense that like I could just okay yeah that was terrible but like how do we go about providing a solution to this like providing a particular outcome for this particular situation and obviously I think as a skill it has its upsides and downsides in the sense that for example if you're in a business context and you know your boss wants a, a certain outcome a certain decision if you have an ability to kind of like just gloss over the emotions and the feelings if that particular you know action whatever involves something that you feel strongly towards or whatever and you can gloss over it and then just do your job and provide that particular outcome that your boss wants then great but a lot of work involves other humans as well and it involves other people's emotions and it becomes a lot trickier to navigate that rationality realm when you have others involved if that makes sense yeah i agree um i had a psychometric test actually very recently um and one of the questions was i get frustrated easily do i agree and obviously in the industry that i've gone into uh there's going to be a lot like recruitment sales floor like you're going to get a lot of rejection you're going to get a lot of frustrated people you're going to get a lot of competition you're going to get a lot of heated um discussions and heated you know people that you talk to and things like that and I think you know obviously I clicked no I don't get frustrated <laughs> it wasn't a lie I don't get frustrated very easy as an individual but she I think- only just shouts at her laptop and types aggressively <laughs> no big deal but I think it's more about when you go into the working world like Vanessa said you are dealing with other people whether you're a paralegal whether you're you know um HR whether you're you know in recruitment whether you're doing marketing like in the working world even if you are working remotely there is nine times out of ten you're going to be interacting with other people and I think the key thing with rationality as it's as a as a transferable skill because it's going to come up a lot in psychometric tests no matter what you're applying for I kind of thought psychometric tests were going to end for me when I was doing my uh law school applications and um, legal secretary applications but I guess that continues into every role um but I think it it plays a massive part because they want to employers want to see if you're able to kind of differentiate between your emotions and the job at hand and I think you need to look at things objectively a lot of the time rather than subjectively I think a lot of um employers um and a lot of kind of work across the board if especially if you're going into the corporate world or even the creative world um not everybody has your heart and not everybody sees things the way you do not everybody has exercised or has gotten the hang of being rational like not everybody's rational no way a lot of people like for me I'm a very emotional person um but I've always managed to separate that. From, <laughs> I've always managed to separate. Vanessa's laughing at me. I've always managed to separate that from from my work because, for me, being emotional doesn't get the job done. And I'm, it's not me subduing my emotions, and it's not me kind of brushing them to the side. It's me dealing with them in a rational way. So you know, if I do get overly emotional, or I have had a really awful phone call with someone, or a really horrible email or you know any of that kind of stuff like I'll take five minutes to myself I'll go take a breath outside go for a walk talk to my hiring manager talk to my line manager like talk to anybody 
Um, sometimes go sit with HR and just, you know, get your feelings out. But also remember people aren't your therapists. So, you know, there are going to be people there for you. But I think at the same time, you've got to learn to be there for yourself. I think it's also like, um, sorry, just like glossing away a little bit away from that. It, it rationality also, it, it makes you think a bit more clearly as mm. well, more like mechanically, more mm-hmm. systematically, if you will, um, which is the type of thinking that a lot of businesses value. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I'm not going to comment on whether it's right or wrong, because mm-hmm. whatever works for whatever works for whatever person, like mm-hmm. I'm not here to judge. Um, but yeah, thinking very mechanically can have its benefits. Um, yeah, I yeah. think a lot of employers want you to kind of seem like a robot. And I think one of the things I found quite difficult when I was applying for jobs and, you know, working and stuff like that post uni, I think it was trying to find a company a company where they were human and that sounds really weird to say but a lot of companies want you to run on autopilot they want you to run like you know like a robot do you know what I mean they don't want you to to think outside the box and you know things like that and I think you know it's really important when it comes to rationality to not be rational in the sense that you have to be a robot and you have to do everything they say and you know don't I would zero out of ten <laughs> absolute zero out of ten would recommend going to or for an employer or a company that expects that of you do not lose yourself for a job I quitted my job <laughs> actually um, because of well one of those reasons was that you know they were expecting um me to act in that way they were expecting me to be a robot they were expecting me to you know it was kind of very uh like a dictatorship in a way and life's too short to be to be treated like that so yeah it's a bit of my advice I winked at Vanessa you guys can't see me or anything but I winked at you um but yeah I think I am can I just say she did not wink at me because of anything else I am very happy in my job (laughs) I love oh no not for that reason I just you know um just winking yeah but um yeah so I think next I think in terms of like dissertation like we spoke about at the beginning I think you know another yeah another is is research but I think also time management I think these two go very well together like I said the problem solving and analytical skills go well together when you're given an example but research and time management go very well together and the reason I'm gonna do these two in conjunction with one another is because when you're giving your answers to your like hiring manager or you know HR or whoever it is this interviewing you um or how you're presenting this on a CV or in a cover letter these are the best ways to these are the in our opinion these are the best transferable skills to go with one another yeah time management and research so these are now when we say time management we really mean time management yeah and my dissertation was due on the 13th of april and i had on the 14th of april another 4000 word essay due so when we say time management guys you're going to want to tune into this yeah you're going to want to hear this so i'll give you an example a recent example that i had of time management and research so they asked me so you've got on your your cv here that you have excellent time management skills um and i said yeah yeah, yeah. I, I encompass time management and research very well i think you know but in the back of my mind i was thinking everybody that's applying to this role 
has a degree. They have a T1 in their degree. Every single one of us does. So I need to kind of elevate that and I need to present them why the skills are so good. So the answer that I gave was, yeah, you know, my time management skills excellent. And they were like, oh, how so? Um, well, since secondary school education, I've had a part-time job. So as well as going to school for six hours a day, five hours a day and doing my outside studies, which was two hours, three hours, I gave myself from secondary school, sixth form. Um, it was very much more than that in law school. <laughs> I had a part-time job and they were like, oh, and I was like, yeah. And I managed my time very effectively because what I did is I created a to-do list every day. And the to-do list included times of where I had to be, what I had to do and how long that would take but also the travel time in between those. So the travel time to and from university or the travel time to and from work and things like that. And, you know, for me, I feel like those are important skills to learn and to have as an individual. Um, and I feel like this will massively benefit the company for this reason, A, B, and C. A, B, and C reason being that I understand that the workload can be very intense and I believe that I'm able to prioritize and timely manage each individual task to perform them at maximum efficiency, but also effectiveness because of this reason, you know? So you have to give an example of when you exercise time management well, how you did that, and then why that would benefit the company or how it would benefit, you know, your working for that company. So again, when it comes to similarly to the problem solving one, problem plan execution and here with the time management one you know i guess problem in a sense i don't think working is a problem i think it's like kind of an excel but it could be a problem because it shouldn't be expected that a 16 year old has to work but these are the conditions that we're living in and someone likes money so <laughs> that's kind of the role that she took on from a very early age in her life but again it, it's about being able to present a time where you you exercise time management skills and then how you did that like what was the plan how did you you know execute that and then again how it will how it will benefit the company unlike the problem solving one problem solving you have to you know demonstrate an actual problem but when it comes to the time management question I think it's very important to exercise the time when you had to do that and then how it will benefit them they love to hear how it's going to benefit them because you're they're hiring you to benefit them at the end of the day you know it's a, it's a contract between you and your employer so yeah yeah I mean that's I, obviously outside of the university one but obviously I had my job while I was at university in that education which is why I put it that example yeah I mean I worked throughout my my entire degree um so yeah time management was really important to me and I think look no one's perfect um so I might as well just say it I'm still like getting the hang of time management. I'm not going to say like, I'm not going to, it would be wrong of me to sit on this podcast and say, yeah, I can, you know, I'm the master of time management and I can get everything done because the reality is like you, you can be super great at time management. You will just have some days where you feel incredibly burnt out and there is nothing that you can do about it. Like, you can wake up in the morning and just feel like, you know what, like today, no matter how much you try to make it like an effective day or productive day or whatever you want to call it, 
um it's just like this you just don't feel it and time management I think plays a role in that as well um but yeah I I like to think that I can manage my time pretty well like if I have a really 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 important deadline then obviously I will meet it but like in terms of like the smaller things and stuff obviously it depends on the urgency and stuff but I can time management like I can time manage uh, I'm not like super bad at it but like I think, I think it's still learning I think linking to this I think we should kind of defer a little bit in terms of you know that question that you get in interviews where it's like what's your biggest weakness mm. right so a lot of it this goes back to the transferable skills by the way because it's you know how you can elevate yourself as a person and elevate the things and this is a big one because law students seem to think that there is nothing wrong we're egotistical I can't lie I can't lie (laughs) (laughs) but I think that this is a really good one in terms of demonstrating the transferable skills that you've learned and that you're still learning because when you go for many jobs they don't want the full package they want you to demonstrate that you're capable of being taught something they don't want someone to rock up and think they know everything because it's their company not yours if if they wanted people that knew everything they would run the company on their own but they're not they're looking for people who they can teach and also company uh, the good companies this is how you can like d- distinguish the good companies from the shit companies the good companies hire based on attitude and teach skills yeah the shit companies hire based on skills and don't really look at attitude anyway sorry go on yeah so basically when you get the question um, what's your biggest weakness you have to present a solution right and what I mean as a solution is I don't mean that it has to be solved because if it's a weakness and it's solved then it's not a weakness so for example let's take Vanessa's example so sorry to put you on your toes here <laughs> but Vanessa said it's okay that- <laughs> my time management is crap in fact I was gonna go to sleep until summer was like let's record this episode and I was like oh like yeah I, I was like so let's tired. do it. I was like get up do five jumping jacks and get on this call right now with me and record this but so let's take Vanessa's example so I I asked Vanessa you know what's your biggest weakness she would say dear mrs employer <laughs> i would say no time, i would employer. never say that no That's you would so be horrible. like you'd be, this is what vanessa would say i was really hoping you would ask that question <laughs> <laughs> would you not don't lie to me you'd be like thank you i was really hoping you would ask ask me this question because they always do <laughs> and what you would what she would then turn and say is i believe that time management has been um one of my larger um my larger weaknesses however how i've resolved this is by having a set schedule and following a diary strictly and religiously to ensure that i can perform all my tasks at maximum efficiency and this has been done at my previous job at abc company where i in fact and then she would give an example of a work success or a project that she ran with um excellent time efficiency i think time management as well it's a very um it's a very general phrase like Mm. it can mean different things like when we say time management do we mean like the ability to meet like critically important deadlines because I will always meet those but if it's like 
super small stuff that is just someone just being anal about something yeah I think that's what would be time management I feel like when they ask time management they it's more about efficiency rather than it is about um rather than it is about like managing your nine to five do you know what I mean I feel like it's about managing project projects projects efficiently (laughs) I hear that and I hear the whole like efficiency thing right yeah but efficiency is just doing something with less money, whereas effectiveness is doing something. No, but that's like why I said in both quality. In yeah, but example. what I mean about what I mean about efficiency is like you're not always going to be effective. You're not always going to be efficient. Like there are just some days where you just will not perform at yeah. your top. No, you but that's I mean? yeah, but no that's, that's what I said in my example. Like efficiency and then I gave an example of a previous work success that was yeah like effective you you see what I mean like it's about um it's about they're not looking for the full package if you were the full package you wouldn't be hired for an like because obviously here we're very much talking about entry-level jobs here but like you wouldn't be being hired for an entry-level job if you had everything they were looking for nine times out of 10, you would be being hired for a more senior position. You know what I mean? So they, like, when it comes to that, what's your biggest weakness question? Don't do the generic of, I'm a perfectionist. Do you know how many times they've heard that? Do you know how many times they've heard that? Like, I got to, I, not today, in a recent job interview that I got, I had a question where it was like, um, like, what, was the um what criticism or critique did you get that affected you the most and that completely took me off guard was not expecting that question at all but it's very much like the biggest weakness question it's about someone calling out a weakness of yours and what I had to do was I had to solve like I solved that you know so I think again when it comes to that question and it comes to like you you giving it obviously a trans it's a transferable skills question so when you give that transferable skills question you know present a genuine weakness and then present how you have resolved that in the past and how you're planning on resolving it. Again, they want to see that you're teachable. They want to see that you're learning and trying to be the, like the better person than you were yesterday. One more skill that I will person, like I think I've gained um, has been obviously, actually there's two, but they go hand in hand. So reading speed and um, like vocabulary. So because of all the reading that we've done and stuff like that like I can read faster now um but also the language that I use is a bit different than it what it used to be um and it's taught me things like diplomacy and and stuff like that which has been really helpful when writing emails and you know going into like the corporate lingo um so yeah that's another skill um and I guess the final transferable skill I mean, there's so many, and please let us know, if, like, DM us on Instagram, SSLP podcast, um, or message us on Twitter, it's the same handle, um, if you want us to go into any more, um, but I am going to do a post of this on the Instagram as well, but I think the final one that I want to go into, um, in terms of key transferable skills, and I think it's, um, I think it's resilience because I think this is very much downplayed. I think everyone says they're resilient um, or everyone thinks that resilience goes into key roles like sales, like 
you know, um, recruitment, for example, like um, any kind of HR role, like anything that's kind of customer facing. A lot of people think the resilience only goes to those kind of industries, but that's not the case um, at all. And I think resilience and strategy go very well hand in hand. And you may be a bit confused by this, but allow me to elaborate. So when you need to be resilient, it means that you face a rejection and or you face a problem that you need to overcome um and whether that be personal work-based education-based everybody's kind of gone through that but I think one thing they very much forget when it comes to when you've overcome or when you've had to be resilient is that you've had to not only build your own morale or a team's morale or you know a co-host or co-founder's morale but it's also you've also had to strategize how best to move forward and these are why these two go very well hand in hand um, is because when on my CVs or my cover letters or even in interviews, when they've asked me like, when were you resilient? I've, I'll give an example and I'll say, you know, I'll, I'll give an example. When were you resilient? Um, the most recent time that I was resilient was when <laughs> I co-founded a podcast in my third year of university. Um, and I had to be resilient because, and then I'll give examples of, for example, when I didn't really have the backing or I had a lot of negative voices in my ear telling me that I wasn't going to be able to do it or that I was going to be a failure and this wasn't going to work out. And I was kind of throwing my degree away and all that stuff. And I overcame that because I strategized how best to fit the podcast into my life. And I, and I managed to strategize how best to, you know, make the podcast, um, law school but also the society that I founded at university all coexist at three at a time also managing my part-time job you know and how I strategize that well it links back to my time management but it also links back to my problem solving skills and you just link it all together so I feel like when you do talk about resilience in a cover letter talk about resilience and strategy in your final piece of your cover letter in the kind of the final paragraph if you like, before you say, you can contact me on, blah, blah, blah. talk about that because it can very much bring your entire cover out all together in kind of one swift motion. Because when you talk about being resilient and your ability to strategize, it's all, you then bring together, you know, it again, furthered my problem solving skills and my time management skills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously in an interview, they may ask you when you're resilient before they ask you about the time management. But again, when you link all of the kind of transferable skills that you have together, you present yourself as a lot more of a well-rounded individual rather than just somebody who's kind of reciting a script that they've said in a million interviews a million times, because you need to remember that in interviews, you're, they want to see that you're a person nine times out of 10, they want you to be an individual. They're hiring, you know, you based off your skills and, you know, and, you know, your experience and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, you need to find those companies that want to hire people and, you know, you know, people at the heart of their business. Obviously, if that business model doesn't suit you, then of course, like that's okay. I'm not saying it isn't, but I think um, for the majority, I think it's important to not just be one in a million, but also, you know be hired as a person so yeah but I think that is the end of this episode we have done a lot of talking um also uh if you guys would like an episode on you know things to bear in mind after finishing law school like mm -hmm. going into the 
new field or mm-hmm. whether you're going into law whether you're starting a new career I think both Summer and I battled a lot of imposter syndrome and a yeah. lot of um, you know just a lot of voices in our heads so if you'd like an episode on that um, then let us know we would love yeah. to definitely and you know this if you would like a part two to this episode even there's a million and one transferable skills that you get at uni um so please do um let us know but there probably will be a part two because Vanessa and I just love a part two so yes but anyway guys no matter what day time the morning wherever you are in the world (laughs) I always you know (laughs) always always um we thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next time have a great day night whatever time of the day it is bye guys Bye. Bye.